Hello there, thank you very much for being here. In today's episode, I speak with Francine Firth. She is 56 years old, she's a father, an avid reader, an analog gamer, a trans woman, and an activist for queer rights. After spending years trying to fit into molds and patterns that didn't resonate with her, throughout the years, Francine learned that accepting oneself isn't easy, but it's an act of love and courage. Stay here because we had a very interesting conversation and talked a little bit about everything, including her trans journey, accepting yourself as you truly are, the history and toxicity in the fear of the other, history of and progress in our society on being creative, and the importance of having a support network in your life. Finally, I want to give a shout out again to the Rainbow Elders of Calgary for making this possible. No, it's not a paid or sponsored episode, but they were so nice and welcoming when I approached them for potential interviews, so thank you. And if you don't know about the Rainbow Elders Calgary, it is a volunteer-run, non-profit organization working to make significant differences in the lives of 2S LGBTQ seniors. You can find their website at rainbowelderscalgary.ca. You can also find the link on the episode description. And if you'd like to make a donation now that Pride is coming up and you want to truly support the community, you can do so by supporting the Rainbow Elders. Now I'll leave you so you can listen to this amazing episode. Enjoy! Project 25 was born out of the obsession that we have of figuring things out. Being a 25-year-old or a 20-something is weird because it's fun, confusing, and exciting all at once. <laughs> it's an age where we realize that maybe the goals we had for ourselves weren't really ours to begin with, an age of tons of learning and unlearning, and an age of frequently asking ourselves, what am I doing? And that leaves us with a lot of uncertainty. I'm Andrea Juarez, and I created this project after hitting my quarter-life crisis. <laughs> I decided to look for answers and ask my family members, friends, and people I admire about their experiences being 25, what has changed, what they've learned, and their advice for the new generation of 20-somethings. There is a lot to live and learn, and I am a firm believer that listening is a powerful tool. Even if all the answers are within us, by listening to others, we can feel understood, but also reflect on ourselves, learn, and think about what we want for our present and for our future. Thank you very much, Francine. I'm gonna start at the beginning. So if mm -hmm. you could tell me what is your age, title, and how would you describe yourself? Well, I was born in 66, so that technically makes me 56 years old. My title, I'm retired. <laughs> I don't have a title. Yeah, well, like when I mean title, like not just like your job, but like are you a cyclist or like animal oh, lover I'm... or something like that? <laughs> I'm a gamer. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> I've been playing games since I was a child, starting with chess, checkers, you know, the classic stuff. And I still prefer board games to computer games, old school. <laughs> and if you can tell me, how would you describe yourself just in a couple of words? I am a trans feminine person. I'm a, a father. <laughs> I've been self-employed. I'm looking at getting into activism for the queer community. Thank you very much. That sounds amazing. And Francine, I wanted to ask you, what did you do when you were 25? So were you studying or working? Or you mentioned that you like chess. So like, was that um, a hobby of yours back then? Or Oh, yeah. Well, gaming has always been my entertainment. I've always preferred games to television and stuff like that. Though music does take priority over games, fortunately they can happen at the same time. When I was 25, I was doing private contract security for the federal government, which basically means I was a glorified security guard. <laughs> I was single living in Ottawa at the time, trying to put some money together and get on with my life kind of thing. I was very desperately trying to prove I was something I wasn't, but I've noticed that I, well, 
a lot of people in my generation went through that same problem was that they were trying to conform to what their parents had thought they should be or society was dictating. So I was fairly withdrawn, actually. It was a while ago. <laughs> yeah, 20 something years. Yeah, yeah. I, I've talked with some members of the Rainbow Elders and they've had like similar stories, like you mentioned, trying to like fit in into what society expected of them. So... Well, one of the other problems was I really didn't even have the language to fig to describe how I felt until I was in my early 20s. I mean, there wasn't any internet and stuff in 84, 85, 86, right? <laughs> and it was a topic that just wasn't discussed by anybody. The only images or representation I ever saw about transgendered people or even the community was that we were wrong. Just, we were the bad person in the, in the television and movies and stuff like this. It was a way of separating a person from the rest of humanity by claiming they were transgendered. Well, at the time, they would use the term transsexual. Or being a member of the queer community just automatically put the person, regardless of who they were, in the wrong. Yeah, that really sucks. Like, I'm glad things have moved a little bit forward. I think the biggest single step was in 79 when the government struck down their anti-gay laws, their anti-homosexual laws. And it's, since then, it's been more of an issue of educating and getting people to understand that we are just like everybody else. One of the things I'm very adamant about is trying to bring the people who are should be part of our community into it. I've personally known law enforcement officers who were gay. I've personally known former military members who are transgendered and gay and lesbian. Like I've, There isn't an element of the queer community that doesn't exist right across all demographics. However, because of the way society has presented us, I can't imagine how lonely a gay cop is. Like, As far as I know, there isn't any support for someone like that. Ex-military people, they don't perceive a member of the queer community to have actually served for the country. These are people that are quite definitely outside the community, even though we should be honoring them within the community, which some people will argue with me, but we can't heal wounds. We can't create a community until we get past the history. Bad things happen. Bad people did bad things. Good people did bad things. But it's in the past. We can't change it. All we can do is accept what happened and move forward, hopefully, to prevent it from happening again. Yeah, that is very true. Like, not only the, what you were saying, history. So history was damaging, but also all these stigmas, right? Like the stories that have well, been told about the community. Exactly. The, the stigmas are, in my opinion, mostly responsible for all the negative things that happened. If a police officer in 1975 saw a gay or a transgendered person or a lesbian and just assumed they were just regular people, an awful lot of the bad things that happened back then wouldn't have. <laughs> But it was, it was a time and place that's changed, and hopefully we'll never go back to that. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And Francine, now that I've asked what you used to do, for example, you were just saying that you didn't have the words to describe how you felt. I wanted to ask you, what did you think when you were 25? Like, what was your vision of the world? Did you have a strong belief or like a mantra? Or did you follow a religion? Or even when I ask, what did you think about the world? Is like, did you have a certain expectation of how things should be? We all do. We grow up with a certain expectation of how the world's going to operate around us. I knew I didn't fit well. I was the, quote, square peg round hole kind of thing, right? But, and I tried very hard to fit in to the point where I basically created a different persona to present to the public so I didn't have to watch every word I said, every gesture, even to the point of isolating myself from people so that I wouldn't make a mistake and expose myself. It was difficult. I had reached a point by the time I was in my mid-20s that I had 
relegated this feeling that, again, I really didn't understand, didn't have any information on. I had relegated it to a kink, right? Something that was, well, it's not great, but it's private and no one will judge me if I keep my mouth shut about it. The reality is it's a thought process and an emotional process that has nothing to do with sexuality for being transgendered. In fact, weirdly enough, most of the transgendered seniors that I know have been in long-term relationships that some would call heterosexual. <laughs> They've been married to women for most of their lives. And yet we still hear occasionally some pretty negative things directed our way that just demonstrate the ignorance is still out there. So it's very important for me to, to educate that we are not as we were portrayed. Thank you very much, Francine. And I wanted to ask you, from when you were 25 to this day, what has changed? Well, I've definitely seen a lot less violence over the years. Like When I was 18, it was no big deal to openly talk about going gay bashing. Now, that is not acceptable behavior. That Even just the idea of it's not acceptable, and you can't we're starting to understand that you can't label groups by the individual. So it, back in the day, it was a much different and more violent world than we are experiencing now. I'm not saying violence has gone away, but the intensity, I think, has decreased significantly. Also, now that we have a better understanding of what mental health is and the intergenerational trauma passed down, from the people who came back from World War II. We're talking my grandfather. In those days, in the late 40s, it was called shell shock, not post-traumatic stress disorder. And it was considered a sign of weakness. So you have an entire generation of heroes who've come back with post-traumatic stress disorder, and the only thing they can do is keep their mouth shut about it and try and cope. So bad coping habits develop, bad coping skills develop, and then they get passed on to the next generation. This is where the intergenerational trauma gets passed on and the negative belief system. By the time the 70s, when I was, or 70s and early 80s, when I was basically becoming a human being and self-aware, and I had heard stories, I'd read stories about how, how the queer community had been treated, and I wasn't seeing a lot of that around me. Now I'm seeing it as a rare incident when, it, when there's violence directed towards the queer community. There's an awful lot of negativity being directed towards the queer community, but I definitely think that that is coming from a place of misunderstanding and, well, I don't want to use the word ignorance because of the negative connotation, but just lack of education on what's really going on. There are lawyers, doctors, as I said before, police officers, soldiers, every demographic of humanity, there is an element of transgender and queer. In fact, it's my understanding that even to this day, the Indian community, as like India, considers their three genders. We have been very definitely relegated to second-class human beings up until recently. I ran into the problem where I could not justify what the churches or religions were saying. I have a deep belief in faith, and I believe everyone should have some faith in something. But I just can't buy into the churches because of the generations of negativity that they refuse to acknowledge and fix. A really excellent example is that it took an international outcry before the Roman Catholic Church acknowledged what had happened in these residential schools here in Canada. Yeah. Our government is still struggling trying to acknowledge it and, and figure out how to deal with it. This is a horrible thing that happened, and it should never have happened, but people were justifying it using faith and politics. And I don't believe faith and politics should ever be mixed together. Oh, no. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> yeah, this is where you end up with theocratic tyrants, right? Yeah, it's um, a danger zone. Yeah. And because we're all humans, we make mistakes. And in that situation, it, the mistakes just impact everybody. I mean, that's one of the beautiful things about living in a system like we do is that if I make a mistake, it doesn't affect your life for the most part, right? 
Like, I mean, it depends what the circumstances are, but we no longer live in a situation where everybody is interdependent upon their behavior. I've met many people. I don't care who you sleep with. I don't care what you do. Just don't take my money. Don't destroy my property and don't steal my stuff kind of thing, right? And they're happy with that, which is, I think, an excellent direction to be going. Let people be who they are. Unfortunately, our legacy media still is chasing ratings by creating, as one friend of mine says, creating the boogeyman. It is, to me, inexcusable that they put their ratings and income ahead of human lives, which is, again, one of the reasons I'm not a big fan of television or the legacy media. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know where to go from there. That's all right. But yeah, that's such a very interesting point. And because, yeah, you did address how things have changed, right? Although what you mentioned about media, I don't think it has changed. I think it's the same or even worse now. Uh, Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying is back in the day, it was being done. The queer community in general was being portrayed negatively out of a stance of ignorance. They just really didn't know. So they were dealing with rumors and whatever headlines and whatever people would say became the de facto way it was. But now we know different. And as you say, they're still doing this, but they're doing it. They're doing it less directly. They will now, instead of saying everybody, they will imply everybody, and they will find one particular individual who is extreme or taking taking the queer community as a cover for some other negative behavior that they're doing. And that part of it is not being focused on. What's being focused on is this person's a member of the community, therefore we all have we should think about all people in that community being the same way. It's in a way exactly like racism. You cannot label a group based on an individual, but we've been doing it for generations and it's gotta stop. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. I was gonna mention that what you were saying about how a group is portrayed, like how the queer community has been portrayed. I was mentioned that like how people of color have been portrayed right in the mostly in American and North American well, yeah. media. Yeah. Again, it's meant to catch your attention. It's meant so that you will buy the products being advertised on the programs or vote in a way that somebody else wants. I mean, this is really the problem with television in general, is that the entire media or medium is designed to control people. You are told where to look, what to think about what you're looking at, how to look at things, and what to think about it. And while I find most intelligent adults can decipher the trash from the reality, it doesn't always work that way. And there are people who don't because they're getting their negative confirmation bias from the media. It's a shame that, like I said before, money has been placed ahead of human lives. Yeah, no, as a media producer, I try to be careful into the content I put out there. (laughs) Because I study communications, they always say, or like, we don't tell people what to think. We tell people what to think about. But sometimes it's just easier to think what you're being told. (laughs) Particularly when you have no other frame of reference to compare it to. Yes. (laughs) And being told what to think about is the start of that slippery slope because what you might disagree with and are sounding the alarm about, somebody else might not. So to me, this format, the social media format, YouTube, Facebook, stuff like this, where you actually get conversations happening, to me, that's a far better way of presenting information that, hey, I want you to pay attention to this because it's important to me, but then you get both sides of the discussion. You don't get an authoritarian perspective, right? It's difficult for your industry to walk a righteous line, so to speak, because it's so easy to fall into the gotta make money. Fortunately, an awful lot of the creators and media content generators nowadays don't have a board of directors sitting over them going saying well, we don't want this we don't want that image we don't want that kind of stuff so you're, the advent of social media has definitely taken some of the fetters off of media production not all of them and it's still it probably has added a great many more difficulties but to me the freedom to speak the truth is far more important and sometimes the job gets hard and it doesn't matter what the job is you get people who experience a job being difficult and when it's not when it's not being truthful to the person doing that job it 
creates mental health problems. Really, it does. Even if it's just low-level depression and anxiety about how they're going to cope with this. In the worst-case scenarios, well, you know, I've known people to commit suicide because they couldn't pursue their career anymore because they were being ostracized. I spent several years working in the construction industry, and I saw I saw extreme examples on both ends of this thing. And again, it comes down to people not understanding what's going on. There's a quote that I really admire about being transgendered. And it's, I don't expect people to understand what being transgendered is. But I do expect people to understand I'm a human being and having a human experience. This is something that isn't highlighted when the media, the legacy media talks about the queer community. Everybody in it's a human being. Everybody in it makes mistakes and is a saint. Both ends of the extreme. We all were good and we're bad. And it's how we negotiate through life. While the media doesn't see it that way. The media is, well, you follow what we tell you. Or sorry, I should, the legacy media, follow what we tell you. Think about what we show you the way we want you to think about it, or we're going to make you and your community look negative. So yeah, it's one of the, at the moment, I don't even own a television. I get most of my news from searching through various websites. As an example, if I want to find out what's going on in China, check out the Australian news, check out the Filipino news, check out the Korean, and you know, like see what they're saying about their neighbors. And don't ever trust a single voice, when it, particularly when it comes to politics and stuff like this. That is a fallacy is to believe in a single individual. If I had heard about or had had more information about what being trans was 25 years ago, I probably wouldn't have had anywhere near the mental health struggles I have had. I dealt with severe depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder. <laughs> So development of better understanding of mental health has definitely helped and made me more resilient in dealing with the, the negative things that life just throws at you. I mean, that's, there's that, that line, you know, life is shit. Well, yeah, but it is for everybody and it's different for everybody. So the things that get to somebody don't necessarily get to other people, but everybody has something that gets under their skin. And the more we talk about it, the more we understand things, the less it becomes a conflict and more more of a disagreement. I'm more than happy to acknowledge so that someone else and I and myself may completely disagree about topics, even within the transgender community, as long as it stays as a disagreement. There's no yeah. reason for violence or and I'm not just physical violence, but the verbal violence and the emotional violence that comes with people getting upset and trying to defend their perspective without facts or thinking it all the way through. There's too many knee-jerk reactions in the media, or I guess it's called hot takes now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Francine, you mentioned that you are retired, mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to ask you, what are you doing now and what are your beliefs? So like, do you have any hobbies or busy did you get busy doing like anything that you like i've gotten into neurographic art i'm still a gamer i enjoy well i do not like games that are competitive so me neither <laughs> minecraft is one that comes to mind the idea of having a positive sum game to play with your friends means that there's never any real conflict about who's going to win because the objective is that everybody's supposed to win Yeah, have you tried Animal Crossing? I, that's a, that one's really popular. No, I actually have. I'm so old school. I still have a uh, flip phone, and, and I can't do that stuff. Which honestly is fine. I've seen an awful lot of people have been sucked into their their phones, and I've seen situations that are just downright dangerous. You know, we've all seen the kids looking at their phone or playing a game on their phone, and then walk across the street. No, where's it looking left, right? I mean, this is stuff we were all taught as children. And I'm seeing teens to young adults putting their safety at risk because they're more more interested in, in their phone. And it's easy to get into that trap. That's one of the reasons I haven't gotten myself a smartphone yet. <laughs> it's a temptation I don't need in my life at the moment. Personally, I'm considering writing a couple of books, something I've enjoyed doing, some fiction, some nonfiction. Basically, Learning has, has become my primary time.
prime consumer is looking into things that I never really had time to before. The Greek philosophers, for the first time in my life, I've actually got the time to sit down and figure out what they're actually trying to explain. <laughs> and some of them, I mean, when you look at it, these people were thinking about being human at a time when there were no distractions. Well, um, there were, but there was no radio, there was no television. If you wanted to hear music, you had to go find someone who could play an instrument. If you, There was a lot more time to interact with the people around you and then think about what was happening. Now, I see an awful lot of our society runs on pre-programmed behavior. Got to have a nine-to-five job if you want to be successful. That, we all know that that's not really true, but you find it that theme sent it out, um, which has caused our community problems in that there are employers who won't hire the queer community. Now, again, that has become less and less, but it is a struggle that is still ongoing. With the Rainbow Elders, one of the other members was talking not too long ago about how they're in a retirement home, and they're the only LGBT person there. And the some of the discussions that happen around them very much upset them. But there's nothing they can say about it because they're outnumbered 50 to 1. So there's still the traditional beliefs that are negative being propagated. Can't remember who said it, but basically new ideas don't, don't actually fully take hold until the people who believe the old ideas have died off. <laughs> In a way, it's true. When I was a kid growing up, there were people who would have absolutely come on unhinged with the visibility of the queer community nowadays. They just they couldn't have handled it because they were never taught how to handle it. And they were taught that what, well, they were taught that what they were taught was right and not just right, but righteous. So, yes, we can learn stuff that turns out to be wrong and we think it's right at the beginning. But when you hold on to it, even after you've been told it's wrong, then that becomes a problem. Yeah. And yeah, it's something I've seen pretty much in every field of human endeavors, that there are the individuals who've been there a while, they understand what's going on, and then things change and they don't. <laughs> Whether it be construction, science, science is the easiest example to show where you know change of ideas in the 1950s quantum mechanics wasn't held with any kind of the same regard it was a theory and now it's turned into an entire branch of science but if you'd asked somebody in 1945 they would have said no nah, it's garbage <laughs> right but it took a long time for that mathematically provable science was accepted when you start getting into the science of the human mind and the development of human characteristics, it's, there's a lot of gray areas because everybody is unique. The best you can do is start to generalize, and that's not science. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's an ongoing process. We have to, sometimes we have to learn new ways to think before we can learn new ways to behave. And the reality is we don't need to learn anything new to behave in a manner that is decent to each other. We all know what it means to be nice to your family and nice to your friends, and I believe that we should be the same way to everybody. Unfortunately, not everybody agrees with that. <laughs> um, and again, then there's fear. Fear is another major driving factor into the negative experience that the queer community runs into. Um, I quite literally have run into someone who thought that being gay was contagious. Like, I don't want to hang around with gay men because I don't want to be, be gay. It's like, well, that has nothing to do with the what yeah. he is. But this is not something that you have never heard before either. This isn't a single individual coming up with something that is completely out to lunch. It is an idea he's been taught. So some of these things take a long time. They take generations to go away. And people like yourself, where you're seeking the truth of the human experience, that's where the biggest tool we have to deal with the, the ignorance or the misinformation or the miseducation. Yeah, thank you very much thank for you. sharing that. And Francine, I wanted to ask you, what has been your biggest challenge and how do you deal with it or dealt with it? My biggest challenge? 
that would be deciding to live. I had reached a point where I'd spent so much of my, well, 40 years of my life trying to be somebody I wasn't, trying to be the, the icon that my parents had in their head when they were telling me what it was to be male and female. And yeah, my depression, had, had I'd spiraled very deeply into depression, isolation, to the point where I ended quite literally up having to talk to psychiatrists and therapists about not wanting to live this way anymore. And it's not that I wanted to die. It's just I couldn't see any way to live the way I was. I was. So the decision to live as me, to live my life and not be the pre-programmed automaton that I was, I was becoming. I mean, I, I was literally dehumanizing myself so that I could fit into these molds and patterns. And once I'd reached a point where it was, well, it was either change that perspective or a catastrophic end. So I didn't want to die, but I couldn't live the way I was, and I didn't know how to live the way I wanted to be. So that was my biggest real challenge, was trying to figure out who I really was, because I'd been denying who I was since the day I was no, since five or six years old. I remember being six years old and chastised because I'd said I'd rather play with the girls than the boys because this horrified my parents. Now, in hindsight, now being a parent, I understand that part of that was didn't want the difficulties and challenge the challenges brought into my life by being a member of the queer community. Honestly, I would never want anybody I don't think that people understand the internal struggles that being transgender creates. My body does not conform to what my thoughts are. This is not a healthy thing. It's a condition I'm dealing with called gender dysphoria. It's not glamorous. It's not fun. But it is who I am. And this, the transition is the only way that I can feel human feel a part of humanity. And I'm sure that lesbians and gay men are have the same elements. How do I justify how do I how I feel versus how society says I should be? Because you're you're not only dealing with being different, but you're you're dealing with being negatively different according to society. But the queer community isn't doing anything wrong. Right. That's just way well. Individuals may well be, but as a community, no. We exist. We've existed for thousands of years. There are Roman uh, writings talking about the queer community in its various forms. As I said, the Indian culture definitely, before the English colonialization of India, openly practiced three genders. It was really a religious conflict that was fueled by ignorance about diversity. People didn't realize that every individual is unique, not just physically, psychologically, but spiritually and emotionally. There is so much different for everybody. And then just accepting your own uniqueness was another thing that was challenging for me. I couldn't fit into what I was. I couldn't be who I was before. I didn't like many of the stereotypes I had seen about being transgendered. Who do I become? Became the difficult question. The secret for me was to take away the fact that I'm transgendered. It's who do I become? I become a person who believes in being nice to each other. I become a person who believes in understanding. I'm a person who does not want to propagate violence. Well, that's where I started the heal was when instead of focusing on the only thing wrong with me was that I'm transgendered. It was because I wasn't, the things that were wrong were how I was thinking about the world around me. And again, the fear of being judged is definitely something that kept me in the closet for 40 years. And again, the lack of information, the lack of education. I mean, thank goodness this generation has access to the internet. Just to find out that I wasn't alone was earth-shattering to me. I can't speak for the gay male or lesbian population, but I've known several trans people who would say the same things, that once they understood, it changed everything.
and then getting past the you don't have to live up to the image that your parents taught you when you were a child because that was a generation ago in my case even if it's just 10 years ago I mean, with the way our society and culture and media change so quickly i remember when telephones still were attached to the kitchen wall with a 30-foot cord and i've met people who didn't kids who what oh my god how did you function how did you watch shows on your on your phone no you don't understand these phones didn't exist back then what i mean this is not every kid but it's just some kids who haven't haven't put two and two together in some cases some cases they just never experienced it and have no perception of how it might have been the same thing can be said in reverse for my generation i see the younger generation doing things is like what i don't understand why would you do that and then you have to look at the context and how we got to where they're doing something that i don't understand so that in and of itself is a huge change in the way society has treated our communities so we now have advocates we have people who explain things it's not just a knee-jerk or hot take knee-jerk reaction to seeing you if you see two men walking down the street holding hands it's no longer a catastrophic insult to society as some people would have said when i was a child how a person feels about themselves is the most important thing that that person will ever have to deal with the more informed and better educated we are about it the easier the culture shock of accepting yourself is which is again one of the reasons i'm happy to do do this interview is i believe that once people start realizing that trans feminine and trans masculine people are just like everybody else they got bills to pay so they they have to exist so they've got all the same worries and headaches that anybody else in the cisgendered community would have the only real drawback i see to being in the community is it's much more difficult to make lasting attachments create a permanent relationship now i definitely have seen it become less difficult in the last 20 years but it's still very difficult and it's a difficult thing for everybody regardless of sexual orientation or gender identity it's hard to find someone you connect with and want to spend time with when i was growing up gay men had to be secretive lesbians were secretive because the for the same reasons just a different judgment happening trans people were well they were portrayed worst of all I mean to this day it's my understanding that i can't give blood because i'm transgendered that i understand why that came about in the 80s when blood supply got in contaminated with hiv and stuff like this and everyone oh my goodness we have to deal with this and rightly so they had to deal with this but the policies that were written 40 years ago no longer apply <laughs> exactly so that's one of the things i want to work on is making sure that the queer community in general has access to both the participating side of the health community and the receiving side of the health community i'm happy to give blood if i was legally allowed to i would i would be doing it every time they called and that's just an example you know when there there's this discussion about bathrooms and stuff well again the conflict comes from people not understanding right or identifying the entire group by a single individual it's partly hardwired into our psyches that the outsider is dangerous because yeah the image of the other right like people don't know the others exactly. that's why they are afraid and like i said it's 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 hardwired into our survival instinct because way back when 5000 years ago if that person didn't look like me wasn't part of my group they were competition of my tribe exactly they were going to take all my food <laughs> yeah and back in the day that was a big deal <laughs> like it was life 5000 years ago physically was much harder than it is now so an awful lot of these distinctions became like i said hardwired into into the psyche of the individuals and passed down over the generations the fear of the other 
is the, I think, one of the last ones that we need to address. Now, fortunately, we, there are people who are starting to believe in the concept of extraterrestrials or intelligent life outside of our understanding. Just that idea entering the popular or general consciousness of culture has changed the way people look at things. And it's baby steps, one little tiny thing at a time. We keep proving the negative is a negative, and then the positive is a positive, and then we hang out of the positive and we move to the next little baby step. And where's the negative? Where's the positive? You know, the, the very idea that I've heard talked about, you know, toxic masculinity, I can directly relate that all the way back to the heroes coming back from World War II with their internalized post-traumatic stress disorder, passing down bad coping habits. Men are taught, even to this day, that they're not supposed to be as emotional as women. The problem is, I find in some areas, men are more emotional than women, but they're trying to control it. Yeah, I'm sorry. So like, I was reading this post on social that anger is an emotion, right? So like, men get angry. Some people wouldn't see a man being angry as a man being emotional. But anger is an emotion, right? Yes. Or like, you know, like soccer games, how men like get angry and like point at each other. That's being emotional. Oh, definitely. The extremism in this emotional out display that men put out is because of the limited ways they can express their emotions that is acceptable to the old school society. Sports, well, you couldn't get excited about other things so sports became acceptable it became a way for men to bond and to form social groups with oh i like this team or i like that team and then hang out and watch the games whatever it be women have had a far more social canonization by society than men have i have never heard the strong silent type referred to as a feminine trait but it's not really a masculine trait either but it's something that men are taught is desirable to be the strong silent type well yes but there's a limit to that and that's where this toxic masculinity comes in is that they've gone past the point where it's reasonable and again it, that derives from bad coping habits and a misunderstanding of the way they should be feeling we're all supposed to be able to feel what we feel and not be ashamed of it even when what they feel is negative If they feel negative about something and it is catastrophic to their life, then go talk to a counselor, a therapist, somebody to figure out the, the way through that. But again, men are taught not to do this. Um, and I find more and more that the female half of the human species is also being taught this to a certain extent. You know, you have to compete. You have to have a career. You have to do this. It's like, wait a minute. No, no. You have to be you. You have to decide what you want in your life. It has nothing to do with your gender, your sexual orientation, even your physical condition. You have to be you, and then you decide what you want. Don't try and conform to 40-year-old stereotype. Right? That just leads to mental health problems and then catastrophic consequences. The idea of diversity and inclusion has been around forever. It's the definition of what is diverse that is changing. The idea of what does it mean to be inclusive is changing, not the actual ideas that we should be. The ancient Greeks, lauded as the creators and founders of democracy. Yeah, well, they also still practiced slavery back in, back in those days. And again, the misinformation that comes with just that topic, oh my goodness, like, There are people who don't realize that humans, humans have been enslaving each other for far beyond recorded history. <laughs> It's been something that is an evil of the human nature that we need to resolve. The misinformation that comes out about this kind of evil doesn't help. It doesn't help get rid of it. I believe it was Morgan Freeman saying the way to get rid of racism is to stop talking about it. And I get the point he's making. It's a, it's a, it's a difficult way of saying what he's, the point. But the point he's making is that quit harping on it. When you see it, you denounce it and walk away. 
You don't have to spend the next generation denouncing a group of people because something happened before. I've met people who have a negative opinion towards Germans, but the, Germans, the German population now is not the same, nor is the culture the same as it was in 1939, but the human nature is. And each individual has to decide not to cater to the evils of our nature and to support the positives of our nature. Hatred is easy. Love is hard. The idea of hating the sin and loving the sinner is a concept that is difficult for some people to grasp because they've been hurt and the only way to protect themselves is to blame everybody else because they got hurt. Again, men don't talk about being hurt emotionally because that used to be belittled. Now men are starting to understand that they can talk about it and that it's not healthy to belittle it and tell someone that, you know, you're depressed, suck it up and get on with the day. You know, something has to be done to help. There needs to be, well, I mean, this is something that is happening. We're getting more understanding of we're all the same, but we're all uniquely different. You know, we're exactly the same, except different. <laughs> I'm extremely hopeful in the way our culture is going. There are some negative stuff that needs to be addressed because, again, even the positive taken to an extreme is a negative. Too much vitamin C, you get poisoned by it, <laughs> but we need it. <laughs> There's got to um, be a balance, right? <laughs> and it's got to be a balance that's workable. And healthy, yeah. Exactly. The extremes are unhealthy whether it be an extreme in femininity or masculinity, like hyper-masculinity is unhealthy. Hyper-femininity is unhealthy. Finding the balance, well, if you're a female or a feminine person, it's a different balance than if you're a male or masculine person. Then there's the, bi the biological differences. Men have less pain receptors than women, and women have a higher pain tolerance than men, but that's because over the, the genetics over many generations, because the guys were the ones that had to go do the heavy lifting. Right? They couldn't afford to be in pain. So a survival instinct and a uh, reproductive positive was women would find men who didn't express pain as more desirable than the ones that did. So that this has happened over thousands and thousands of years, but the instincts are still there, which means that we need to look at the instincts without judging them. We have to figure out why people are doing what they're doing, why they're hurting themselves. The very idea of smoking cigarettes. Everybody alive knows it's not healthy for you, regardless of whether you believe in cancer or anything else. It's just, it's not a healthy thing to do. And everybody will accept that. And yet there's still millions of people addicted to nicotine because society hasn't said, no, this, this needs to change. Individuals say it. Every doctor I've ever met in the last 25 years has said it. Got to change. You got to quit smoking, all this stuff. But society hasn't changed because our media hasn't told us that needs to happen. There are still an awful lot of money in the tobacco industries. And media is driven by money, or well, legacy media is driven by money. One of the reasons I'm a huge fan of independent artists and independent creators, whether I agree with them or not, the very fact that they are expressing an idea unique to themselves in and of itself is important, regardless of what the idea is, which is one of the reasons I really, I hate condemning people because of their concepts. I've heard some pretty horrible things come out of some pretty decent people's mouths. That is, to me, the classic example of ignorance. They just don't understand how negative what they're believing is to themselves and the people around them because they were taught it wasn't negative. And again, like I said, it takes generations for these kind of things to ease from the system. And my hope comes from the fact that I've seen people actively trying to pursue a better understanding. Before Back in the day, it was, this is what things are supposed to be like. This is how the world's supposed to work. And this is how we say it works. Now we're at a point where, well, how is this really working? What's really going on between people? <laughs> and again, it, I'm seeing people 
starting to understand how important the long-term connections between each other really is. The value of the people in your life is far more important than the value of their bank accounts. But until maybe the early mid-90s, that was unheard of. People were judged by how much money they had. And these same kind of negative reflexive responses are what the queer community has been fighting against. We're just trying to get back to a level playing field for everybody. To me, that is probably the biggest progression our society has done is that we're no longer, it's all about me. It's about how do we get along. And it goes in cycles. There will be, your grandchildren may well become another me generation, but it won't be as harsh as it was when it was my generation in the early 80s being the me generation. The need to belong is inherently part of the human psyche. And the fear of other is part of human psyche. So now we've got a conflict. You have, you want to belong, but I'm afraid of the other. So we must resist the human psyche. <laughs> More along the lines of mold it and adapt it. Yes, to our current times. Yeah, it, as we progress and have a better understanding of what's going on, people talk about science having answers, but it was only four or five years ago that medicine discovered the largest organ in the human body. And it's that tissue between, between the organs that is actually an organ. We're constantly learning new things. And if we don't accept the fact that what we were taught may no longer be correct, then we get stuck. And then the world stops making sense to us and we start becoming negative people. You know, the classic example I keep referring to is all the World War II vets that came back. No one understood what post-traumatic stress disorder, not even the people experiencing it. Now we handle most intelligent countries handle their returning veterans completely different than they did 1949. The governments have acknowledged that mental health is important. It's an actual topic. And if you go back 200 years, it wasn't, you know, that's why they had institutions where if you, you were standing on the street yelling your head off, 15 minutes later, a couple of people in white jackets would come and take you someplace safe. We don't do that anymore. The same way we no longer do lobotomies and all this negative stuff from the 50s. Our science keeps explaining something one further step, and then society catches up. And it usually takes a generation to catch up. And again, I'm so glad to see that your generation has the opportunity to express themselves in a format where there isn't someone else telling you what to say. Right or wrong, you have the right to say what you think. You have the right to say how you feel. And when you're being creative and having someone dictate to you what to do, it, it never never, ever comes out as well as it could. The evolution of the human psyche is an ongoing process. We will probably never really physiologically evolve much more than we already are. But I certainly see the signs of the development of the human psyche and the human thought. We are getting better at it. Tiny steps. Another sign of the evolution of the human consciousness and the human psyche. We're starting to realize that an individual's reactions impact a much wider group of people than we used to believe it did. And developing and supporting the communities, to me, is a stopgap towards developing and supporting humanity. Change is always difficult and painful. Queer community has definitely dealt with fractures within itself. This pandemic has definitely negatively impacted community development, whether it be the queer community or the firefighter community or the law enforcement community. They've all been neg Every community has been negatively impacted by this isolation. And so we need to start paying attention to fixing these. We need to support the community various communities and we need to develop more connections between the communities. I know at some point, eventually, the queer community won't exist. We'll just be part of the Calgary community or the Toronto community, whatever, right? Like the location will become far more important as a community development because they're the people you interact with immediately than your sexual orientation. We have some issues with the distribution of wealth, but again, these are things that we're looking at now. We're no longer accepting the status quo as a society. We're looking at the status quo. We've gone from a point where it was institutionalized 
the racism and the oppression of the other was institutionalized to the point where the institutions have said, no, that is not right. And now society has to catch up to it. It's a painful, complicated, difficult process and takes generations. I am hopeful that the queer community can start start slowly fading into the community in general. But in the short term, they still require support. For trans people to gain access to mental health support is more difficult than it is for a, a cisgendered person. Not necessarily because the actual physical access, but the understanding of the professionals. I've had to educate my dentist about some of the physiological impacts of my transition. Taking estrogen has softened my my enamel, not something most dentists are taught because it didn't come up 20 years ago when they were getting into dental studying medicine and getting into the, the practice. We have discovered so much more about ourselves as a collective of consciousnesses our collective of identities, that our society is struggling to catch up. So this is why the various communities do need the support is because for women to get an education in Canada, it used to be difficult. And there were iconic women who stood up and said, no, this is wrong. And they got the education. They proved that, they, that it was a good thing that women get educated. Thank you very much for sharing that. It's yeah, very interesting and important insights. But I wanted to ask you because earlier, as you were answering this question, you talked about the extremes, right? Because mm -hmm. I had just asked you about sharing a time in which like uh, your biggest challenge and you said that it was choosing to live. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask you if you could share a time in which you succeeded and what happened and what did you do? Whatever success means for you. <laughs> Come to accept myself for who I am, for how I feel about myself. This is the single largest challenge I overcame to staying alive. People who, well, if you can't accept who you are, you stop acting like who you are. And it starts deteriorating your health, and your mental health. So yeah, the biggest success I've had was overcoming the mental health damage I'd done to myself by not being who I was, by denying how I felt and denying what I needed in my life. Another success has been helping other people. The agency Skipping Stone, which by the way, I definitely recommend you talk to them about some stuff too. They've, they're, they're very much... A positive in our world. I will. When I first started my transition in 2019, there wasn't a social group for trans feminine people over 50. There was a, a um, social support group for trans feminine people. And that's a great thing that everybody was put together. But what I found was it was difficult to explain the experiences I had to a 17-year-old person who is not seeing what I'm talking about at all. They've never experienced it. One of the girls I know, she was physically terrified of coming out at work. All of these horror stories that we've, we've, you can find chapter and verse on the internet, they all ran, they ran through her head. The day she actually did it, everyone applauded and thought it was great. And she didn't know how to deal with that. I mean, like she did deal with it, but it caught her off guard. There were no horror stories. Yeah, it, even the boss was willing to accommodate a trans person in the workplace when it was something that their father would not have accepted. Right, like that kind of change in society is not just you can't mandate that. That comes from understanding. Every time we've mandated that companies or people have to do something, then there's always people trying to find a way around it. But when we come to a conclusion about something as a society, then it happens. Life sucks on a day-to-day -day basis, but it's the moments that you share with people and connect with people that make it worthwhile. And while we are progressing. We have to be careful not to allow extremism into the progression. Yeah. 
Thank you, Francine. To ask you the last question, if that's all right. No worries. This has been like, I've loved this conversation. I love that we're touching on different topics. They all are connected. Everything interconnects. So I wanted to ask, what advice do you have for today's 20-somethings? Or what do you wish you knew when you were 25? It's actually the same piece. I wish and I'm hoping that the younger generation stays true to who they are. Don't let society, don't let preconceived perceptions, um, not perceptions, preconceived notions of who you should be define who you should be. If your family has always been firefighters, it doesn't mean you have to be one. You might choose to be. That's totally your call, but that's your choice. So choose to be yourself and choose to ignore people who don't like you because that's their problem, not yours. The other thing that I'm hoping will happen is learn to think. Don't spew back something you've been told just because it's an answer. If you've been told this and it doesn't make sense, figure out why it doesn't make sense. Maybe you're the next Einstein and actually have the answer. But if you don't stop and think about it and tear apart why you do stuff, you can't grow. You can't become that next Stephen Hawking or I'm drawing blank on intelligent people who changed the world, but Madame Curie. This is an excellent example of Madame Curie in that at the time, women didn't work. But here's a woman who quite literally gave her life to help the rest of the world understand radioactivity. She didn't voluntarily give her life because she didn't know about it, but that was the net result was that she was interested. She learned about this. She taught the rest of the world about this, and it killed her. That's one of the reasons we honor her. But if she hadn't learn to think, then none of that would have happened. She decided, I'm going to do this, regardless of what the male population or the government or the church says, I'm going to do this. Now, how do I do it? Because she didn't have any support. Nowadays, some things are a little easier. You still have to decide to learn to think. You have to look at things and analyze them and start with yourself. Why, when I'm really depressed, do I want to go eat chocolate? What is it that's making it happen? Once you understand that, then you may choose, oh, I'm still going to go have that chocolate ice cream because I'm feeling really miserable and I know I'm going to feel better afterwards. And then I'm going to hate myself for the pounds I put on. Yeah, you don't. You don't feel better afterwards. It's just that second of momentary bliss and then... (laughs) it's that second of momentary bliss gives you something to compare against well that's not joy that was happiness i enjoyed the ice cream it made me happy but that's not joy that is happiness so to find joy where the true peace of the human spirit lays you have to understand the dichotomy of the human existence You cannot appreciate how good things are in in the moment unless you have something bad to compare it against. And that's how we perceive the world as human beings. We have to compare what we've known to what we're experiencing. And that's where you learn to think is when you start looking back in your life and going, okay, well, how did I, why did I do that as a child? Well, because I was afraid. How come I couldn't sleep without the nightlight? Because I was afraid of the dark. Well, I'm an adult now. I'm not afraid of the dark, but I still have a nightlight. Why? That kind of thing. Like You you have to stop and think about Because there's no answers that will come from anywhere other than yourself. You're the repository of all the answers to the problems in your life, if you think it through. Yeah, all the answers are within us, right? Exactly. Because... The reality is the things we want in the world are pretty simple. We want to be loved. We want to share our lives with someone who cares about us. And we want to not be miserable. How do we do 
that? Well, you got to think about it because it's different for every individual. And again, yeah, be true to yourself. That's the way you're going to get real answers. Single biggest piece of advice, this too shall pass. Whatever is miserable in the moment, tomorrow the sun will come up. Tomorrow is a different day and you'll have different opportunities and another chance to deal with whatever's bringing you down. Don't get wrapped up in your own misery. Use your ability to think to find a path to happiness and joy. That kind of stuff. <laughs> different ways of saying all the same things. Be true to your own identity. With one caveat, being true to yourself does not give you the right to injure another person, whether it be emotionally or physically in any way, shape, or form. That is a negative that is not being true to the human spirit. It's influenced by human nature. That will not provide the peace that humans look for in their life. Thank you very much, Francine. And I don't know if there is anything else that you'd like to add that you think it's important to say and I didn't ask you? I think it's important for us to be kind to each other. We may not agree with each other, but it's far more important to be kind to each other than to agree with each other. That's, to me, probably the most important thing anybody can do. Thank you very much, Francine. <laughs> My pleasure. My it was pleasure. lovely to chat with you. I really enjoyed this conversation. So thank you so much. 